Welcome to One Beer Wonder, a podcast by The Football Shed. We take one topic, theme, person or subject from the football world and talk about it for the amount of time it takes us to drink one beer. When the beer is done, we are done. Yeah, good. Cut my hair. Oh, it looks um, great. Love what you've done with it. Thanks. Um, do you know what's really annoying about shaving your hair short, though, is mm-hmm. when you put your face mask on, it sticks to your face. It's like oh, it becomes Velcro. Yeah, so it's just like, oh. of course. And it's so, cold. Yeah. It was cold today. So it's a cold day to yeah. shave your head. Yeah. yeah. Didn't, think, didn't think it through. Yeah. Oh, there's my pen. There's my good pen. Yeah, good one. Underneath the keyboard. Um, we watched... How was uh, yours? Uh, Home Alone today. Oh, really? Do you know? Is that first time Freddie's seen it? Yeah. Watching Home Alone through someone else's eyes for the first time is just the <laughs> best thing. <laughs> like, a whole new movie. He was just so, so happy. Like, the, <laughs> the, the, you know, obviously the bit at the end where the robbers come and he like sets all the traps. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Freddie couldn't get the smile off his face it was like the greatest thing he'd ever seen in his life it was like slapstick oh he stepped on the thing oh he'd taken his shoes off he got hit with the thing he was just like i've never seen him so happy it was so cool it was like oh awesome. you remember what it was like when you first watched home alone yeah, the first time you see you're like this is the greatest thing ever. i don't want to do all ever. these things can yeah. i do this and i want to do that yes yeah so it was it was actually really nice so that was when it started raining <laughs> you got your beer yeah. i've got a glass of wine so. okay that counts um all counts but uh so yeah jeff why did you want to talk about um what defines a big club well it's been um it's been playing on my mind john ever since the project Mm. big picture and and spurs just wangled their way into that (laughs) 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 you know what i mean like it just it's a bit uncomfortable that spurs were considered you know, a shoe in for this. And then obviously this week, all of the news about the, you know, as we see every six months, the European Super League. Mm. And I was thinking, okay, well, who gets in the European Super League, right? For you to, we're going to need to be pretty cool with the reasoning that sits behind why you are a permanent member of a European Super League and not just in a league that can qualify for a European competition, like, like you yeah. know, Italy or the Premier League or whatever. There's something... um organic about having to finish top four to compete on the European stage. So I was like, okay, well, what actually does make a big club? Like, what, what is it that makes you top six in the, in the um, you know, a, a, a world apart? You're part of the new big picture nonsense or you're part of the European Super Like, What is it? What do you think it is? Yeah. Well, because Man United are often defined as the biggest club in the world. And in reality, Man United haven't won the league in seven years or whatever it is now um, and finish fourth or fifth or sixth. So why are they considered the biggest club in the world? And I think history has a big part to it. So you've got to have a history of winning trophies, of being near the top um, and a bit of a foundation to what you are. Because I think a Man City, for example, with new money, you would never say Man City is a bigger club as Man United. Um and you'd almost say Man City aren't as big as uh, Everton, for example, because Everton have that history and have won trophies in the past and won European trophies and stuff. So I kind of I was thinking about it, and um, just to go off a left field kind of slant, for me, Nottingham Forest 
are a bigger club than the majority of Premier League clubs because they won two European trophies in the 70s or whatever it was. So for me, they're bigger than a Leicester. But Leicester won the league four or five years ago. So it, it's in my head, it has to do with history and the kind of grounding it has and the long-term supporter base, I think, has a big say on it. Okay, so then why... I mean, I, I agree with you, I think. But then by... That being the primary definition, there is no hope for any other club to become a big club. You can't be big. So let's say Man City have done... We, we've seen what Man City have done, right? So they've spent the last 12 years getting bigger and bigger and bigger. They are consistent challenges for the Premier League, consistent challenges in Europe. So we say that because they weren't good in the 70s, they have no hope of ever being considered a big club. I don't think they have no hope, but they have to have... This is what I mean by we've got to be cool with it because I could I could feasibly play devil's advocate to every because I've been I've been running rings around my own head right so I, I was thinking about Nottingham Forest I'm like you're I think you're absolutely right if we look at the the big six in that um in that big picture thing I think you know Chelsea and Spurs would be gazumped by Nottingham Forest without blinking an eye uh, mm. so then what is so then what else makes that real so let's say um capacity of the stadium facilities yeah. finance things like that so if we're looking at finance you'd argue that um man, well, man city, city will be in the, old man, man yeah. city the biggest but then psg if, but then psg only came into existence in 1970 they didn't exist before yeah. that. not in forest were twice european champions by the time psg like became like a, <laughs> a stain on someone's <laughs> bum hole so the <laughs> <laughs> if so, if it's just if it's just money, right? Remember that Russian sides, uh, Azi Al Khamama. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, and they signed everyone for a bit. They had um, yeah. Sami Eto and stuff, and Roberto they, they Carlos made, as manager. Ex- exactly right. Yeah, they they made Eto the highest paid footballer in the world, beyond the wages that you get in China. They signed Willian, Roberto Carlos. Um, it was it was amazing. They were the richest club in the world. So would they mm. be a big club? You'd argue they'd be titchy time. They got relegated no, the year after that. I think you, you need the fan base because, um, like Newcastle, for example, are considered a sleeping giant. You look at Newcastle and they're a one-city club. Um, so there's no other club in that city, which I think makes a big difference. Like if you have Liverpool and Everton, Man City and Man United, it divides the fans. Newcastle, you've got one club, one city. They get 60,000 every week. They're all behind it. And they have a history, maybe not the most trophy-laden history, but they have a history of being in the community around the club and have been existing for 100-plus years. So you'd say they're a big club. Um, But if they got the Saudi money that was talked about earlier in the year and spent the next five years winning the Premier League, got in the Champions League, would they suddenly be in the Europa Super League? Yeah, would they be bigger than Man City? Because the, the, you, you, they start with a better fan base. They start with more people going to the games. So let's look at um, if it's just about capacity and loyal, you know, loyal fans. What about Atlanta United? So Atlanta United yeah. in, the, in the MLS get what seventy five thousand people every single week sell out. I mean. There aren't many Premier League clubs who have capacity of 75,000, let alone selling out every single week. They, they won the league in their second year, was it? They, yeah. they were in the final in their first year. I know they've only been around 
five years, right? But if it's capacity, there's only one club in Atlanta. They sell 75,000 tickets. I'm not being facetious here. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, if, that, no, yeah. if that's the barometer we're going to look at, then surely Atlanta, Atlanta United should, should, should be considered a huge club from global perspective. And then also, because on a, that kind of slant as well, you look at Man United and we have a global noodle partner and we have a global... I don't know, hat partner and we have, so we have these huge sponsorships all over the world with various different things. So is your reach as much as important? So you might have loads of social followers. We talked about when Hammers came to Everton. Yeah. And yeah. He, he, as an individual, he has more social um, media followers than Everton as a club. So does it make him bigger than the club? And more then than does that City mean, club, yeah. yeah. And then, so is it your reach from followers and your sponsorships that make you the big club of Everton suddenly jumped up a rung because of Hammers Rodriguez Instagram Instagram followers? So is it so it's what commercial viability? So if it's if that's the so again we'll we'll run that right. If it's commercial viability, Manchester United have lost record amounts of money in the last few years you know they they they're in they're in the negative they're, they're having a real tough time financially so if it's commercial viability surely you know two more years of this and man you can't be considered a big club but i still reckon that they would be so that doesn't that doesn't fit oh, right with me either no for me it has to be history it has to be trophies and history because you look at man united and liverpool they've won 20 premier leagues and 19 premier leagues between them um or each um and you look at Ajax in Holland, and they've won 40-odd um, leagues in Holland. They won the Champions League three years in a row in the 70s. They introduced a new way of playing football, total football, in the 70s. Now they don't have the financial backing because they play in a league that's not got the financial clout of a Premier League. But for me, Ajax is one of the biggest and most historical teams in the world. Um, so if you're, if you're a 12-year-old and you can get signed by... Man City or Ajax, I'm inclined to go. I'd rather go to Ajax. Yeah, I'd probably rather go to Ajax too. So, but then, <laughs> but then, okay. I mean, I, I I agree with you. I agree with what you just said. But then there is a certain kind of asterisk that you put next to one club countries, and I mean I mean that with with respect to to the second, mm -hmm. third, fourth biggest clubs in these in these countries. But if you're a, a Benfica or a Porto, or if you're a, a Celtic in in mm. recent times in Scotland, if you're an Ajax. Really, I mean PSV are a good side, but but PSV have a have a smaller wage bill than Burnley. You know, it, it's not um, the honours you win in a, in a country like that shouldn't have the same weight as the honours you win in Spain, for example. Spain, but on that, um, no, but on that, Bayern Munich, obviously biggest team in Germany of what years and years and years. If you go back 30, 40 years, Schalke were the biggest team in Germany. So Schalke have the history of winning the league a huge amount of times. And before the Bundesliga became the Bundesliga, it was I don't know what it was called, the first division, um, they won it the most. And they were the big guys and they were the ones with all the history. So Schalke being crap right now for German football fans is weird because they're historically one of the biggest teams around. But right now, they're crap. In Germany, Hamburg as well. Hamburg have won the Champions League when Kevin Keegan was there. They got relegated for the first time in their history two years ago. Mm. So you kind of, I would say Hamburg and Schalke are bigger than Dortmund. 
but then Dortmund are the second best team in, yeah. in Germany right now. <laughs> so then, okay, so let's go back to Spurs, right? So if we, if we take everything we, we've got, we've we've just discussed. So I want to I want to compare Spurs and Leicester. Mm. So Spurs, if it's about history. I'd say, you know, back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, Spurs had a good run. They, I think they won a European Cup. They, they, um, they, they, they had, had a good run a long time ago, right? Um, yeah, and they've won a lot of FA Cups. They're like the fourth most FA Cups, I think, in history. They won a, won a major honours for four decades in a row, something like that. But this is, this is a mm. long, this is a long time ago. So then we look at, um, look at Leicester. Leicester won the league four years ago. Leicester top four, they're a top four side. They're a, um, well, very close to top four, close to, to close to top four side. But you can't say Spurs is a consistent top four side. You, you, I mean, you can for the last three or four years. But, but before that, Spurs were no better than the than the Everton's of this world. They were they were in exactly the same spot, or, or the Chelsea's before Abramovich came in, exactly mm. the same spot. So, does what happened to Spurs in the seventies make them? ahead in the in the queue for the European Super League than a club like Leicester who are currently in a better financial spe- space than, than Spurs they're, 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 um, they've got a lot of money in the bank they invest more in their first team so you, you'd argue if it wasn't for um, Harry Kane I'd say geez, I mean I'm going to just throw it out here without having done my research but I'd say that the, the Leicester team might be worth more than the Spurs team if you exclude a player like Harry Kane who didn't cost him anything yeah. Um so okay, they're they're worth more. They've won the league more recently. They're a competitive top six side in the Premier League. Surely they they'd be in front of the queue. Not the front Spurs of the queue, have in front of Spurs in front of the queue. Spurs have the fan base and the history, and they have the stadium. Like I think they they have the sixty thousand brand new shiny stadium, and they have a bit of recent success. Not successes in winning trophies, but they have. So you, you if you combine the past with a little bit of recent doing pretty well stuff. So Nottingham Forest did well a long time ago, haven't done well recently, so aren't going to get in there. Mm. If you look at Spurs and go, you did well in the past and you look like you've got everything ready to be one of the biggest clubs around right now, that kind of elevates them into that level where you go, yeah, okay, maybe you're in the top there. So what about Leeds? Leeds are back now, right? And mm. and we we hear the rhetoric quite a lot. Oh, it's great to see Leeds. They're a big club. They're back where they belong, right? We see that, and they've got you know a, a excellent fan base history. Where do they sit in this? I, I, I think for me, Leeds are a sleeping giant, like in that Newcastle um, pocket. If they get it right and they get their finances right and they do up Ellen Road in ten years' time, you can see them being bigger than Spurs there's nothing stopping that happening because they've got the fan base. They've got everything there, got the history. They were great in the seventies and won in the league a lot. A lot of people won the league in the seventies in my head. Everyone won it seven times in the seventies. That, that bit before you were bored, everyone was winning the league. And um, so, yeah, I think it's, I'm going to change it. What about your playing squad? So we on the shed last week. The question was, "What's the most valuable playing squ- the thirty most valuable um, playing squads in the world?" Does your playing squad have any basis on it? Because Man City, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Barcelona have their big history, but Bar- Man City, a new money with a big squad that have a lot of the best players in the world. So does that push them up a long way? 
Oh, it's a good question. I mean, what Man City have done uh, well is that they've kind of tried to cement their legacy. So, so by building the academy the way they have, and you know, investing in their infrastructure beyond their playing squad, they've really put their footprint in what they offer in the footballing world. So much so that you know, they they get some incredible young talent. They they develop. Um, their own type of football and they play in a certain way so they're, they're creating an identity which means that they're, they're, they're doing a good thing so I think they're a bit more than just the value of their playing squad not saying that that was what you were suggesting but but because they were top of that pile but I think if you were just talking about the playing squad I think it's too transient to judge a club against especially mm. when you um you you look at this, I'm gonna, I can't believe I'm going to refer to it in this conversation, but the smaller clubs, the clubs that sell their best players all the time. If we were to judge them on one of the purple patches where they got great players and then they suddenly flogged them the year, next year, then they're going to be crap in the European Super League, aren't they? Because because they're getting rid of their, their, their good players every time. So, And there, as we've discussed, there are only two clubs in the world that don't get rid of their best players, and that's Real Madrid and Barcelona. Mm-hmm. And then if we're judging it on money, they are financially crippled, those two clubs. So then they, they should be kicked out too for, for being poor. But then they are financially crippled because they are big enough to survive off being financially crippled, if that makes sense. So they, they be, the name and the status of them is big enough to go, we're billions of dollars in debt, but it's all right because we're Real Madrid or we're Barcelona, so we can sort it out later. We've got enough assets and we've got enough history that we'll survive. So, so it doesn't really matter. So do you think the playing squad makes a difference? I don't know. I think, I think it does because if you're playing squad, if it means you're doing well because you've got a good playing squad, it means you're performing at the top level. So you're winning leagues or you're getting involved in the Champions League, and so you're doing well, and so that automatically makes you a bigger club. Um, so yeah, I think the playing squad does play into it. But you can have an Angie, whatever they're called, from Russia, and have a really expensive playing squad but actually turns out to be crap. So. Yeah, or, or, or good, but in a strange vacuum. You know, I think a team that's done it well is Liverpool. Uh, I think, mm. <laughs> I'm not saying they've done it well being a big club, you know, it's a hard thing to achieve at. But the um, obviously the, the 80s were good for Liverpool domestically, you know, it wasn't mm. good when England was kicked out of European competition. Um, not blaming Liverpool for that, some might, but I'm not. Uh, but the, <laughs> a bit harsh. Yeah, sorry, sorry. That's only a joke. It's a joke. Um, but what they, you know, what they've done through nineties, noughties, and and into the current day is they've constantly cycled playing squads. They've sold their best players, but the times that they've not been winning the league, they've been winning the League Cup, the Europa League, or UEFA Cup, as it was it was called at times like that. So, so they they've constantly maintained the kind of the, their presence and their pressure to now be at a point where they are the best we've seen them in the last. 30 odd years and you would yeah. never question whether they're one of the one of the big clubs that they've got no but I think you nailed it there because they were huge in the like 70s and 80s and then went on a downturn for 20 30 years and now they're getting back but constantly through that time they were winning trophies so they weren't they didn't get relegated they didn't do a Nottingham Forest and disappear right. or a Derby or an Ipswich who they've just disappeared but they've won leagues recently and then they have constantly been top six. You would never see Liverpool finish ninth or 10th, really. It was always top six-ish. They might be not be going so well, and they might have some strange managers and strange playing squads. 
but it's still Liverpool, it's still Anfield, it's still the whole thing surrounding them. And you always knew one day they would get it right. And I think you look at uh, Man United, and we're not brilliant right now, but you go, one day they'll get it right. They have that big enough clout. Um, Real Madrid are doing badly at the moment. Barcelona aren't doing very well at the moment. But you know, they'll get it right, they'll turn it round. So I think there's that kind of innate bigness (laughs) of those clubs. So what what um so what stops it right? So is it getting relegated? Is getting relegated the thing? Uh, look at Villa, right? Villa were always mm. a, a big Premier League club, you know, and they're not a one yeah. they're not a one club city there, but they were they were historically a, a, a very good yeah. Premier League club. And they've won the European uh, Cup. They're yeah, like, yeah, they're a huge club. But then the moment they were relegated, it's almost like they had to press reset and start again. And they're now, yes, they're considered a big club, but no one talks about them in the same way that they, you know. They're not talked about to get into the Super League, are they? Yeah, exactly right. But you would argue if they weren't relegated, and, you know, if they finished 17th that year, then the next year finished 5th, that they would still be up in this kind of, you know, we need to pay homage and respect to the history that they've got. So it's almost like being relegated, even if it's for a year, resets the scale, like Nottingham Forest. Yeah, Yeah, I know. Well, going back, I don't want to talk about the Super League at all, but just to touch on the Super League. If the Super League exists, the idea is there's no relegation or promotion. So it Mm. happens and then you have this horrible existence of a league where there's no up or down or whatever. Um, The idea of a big club is then destroyed because the joy of this conversation is that you can go, oh, maybe they are, but then they went bad, they got relegated, and maybe they are, but then it's gone badly here or there. Whereas... If you just decide you guys are the big clubs, then it all just kind of it destroys the idea of what a big club or a little club is, and you end up in a franchise scenario like the A League or American sports or whatever. And you might have a awful like New York have a crap basketball team, don't they? The, um, the Knicks, yeah, Knicks, and they're always crap, but they're huge because it's New York. Yeah, so it's that <laughs> you end up with you could end up with Man United in the Super League, and they're always bottom and they're always crap but they're always Man United so it's big and it's so you end up with this horrible scenario where they don't have the ability to disappear into nothing and then recover you just end up being big and shit yeah you almost <laughs> you don't have to be good to be big you can just retain your bigness indef- indefinitely just because you happened <laughs> to be big when they were <laughs> when they were choosing who was the biggest you know it, it's it's almost well, it's complete nonsense it is complete nonsense which is why I think at the beginning of this conversation, I said we've got to be sure of what we're talking about before we start making choices about who deserves what, when, and how. Because not, like, I reckon that we could go around for an hour talking about the caveats to each of the metrics that you could possibly judge a club on. And I think that every single metric is flawed. And you almost need the perfect mix of metric, which, which is possibly Liverpool at the moment. Possibly. But then I reckon that there's someone listening at home screaming at me that that's not the case because of X, Y, and Z. And they're probably right. Probably just as right. I just haven't thought about it. But I think you're right. It does have to be a mix. And you go like Real Madrid, Barcelona, history, trophies, been around a long time, Inter Milan, AC Milan, Juventus. um, They all have that kind of history. And they have periods when they go back and you go, oh, they were brilliant. But then there's – I always – the thing that frustrates me about the Champions League and the Super League 
right now are the teams like Ajax or I was thinking about Stour Bucharest. Now Stour mm. Bucharest from Romania were brilliant in the eighties. Mm. Um, I don't know if they ever won the Champions League. They definitely got to a final. They might have won a UEFA Cup, um, and they had a brilliant side. That never happens anymore. And they were one of the most feared teams in Europe. And Gothenburg were really good for a bit. And you kind of have all these kind of pockets of amazing teams that become big and become Red Star Belgrade. Like they were huge and they were brilliant. Um, and now you go, they're one of the biggest teams in Europe from the past, but now they play in empty stadiums in crap leagues and don't get in the Champions League. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's weird. I mean, thinking back to recent times, are there, I can only, Monaco come to mind as an example mm. of uh, a team that's taken a run by surprise in the Champions League. Uh, who was it last year? Which French side was it last year? Lyon? Lyon. Yeah. yeah. They took a run by surprise. But the thing is, they don't last a year because they get pillaged. That Monaco side yeah. got pulled apart within a week of the season finishing. Yeah. <laughs> we went, went to big clubs, John. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and that's the sad thing for me about like an Ajax because when they were good again two years ago, everyone went, oh, so Frankie de Jong will have him and the Lips will have him. Yeah. David Classic. <laughs> and uh, there was, it was just handpicked all these players. And then it doesn't exist. So you don't get these eras of Ajax winning the Champions League for three years in a row, which you do in the 70s. So that really annoys me because there isn't, we're almost at a point where we you can't become big because the big clubs will just come along and go, we'll take you and you and you and you and then destroy it anyway. So, so maybe we're already in a Super League scenario and we should just give up and let them do whatever they want. Well, that's that's a that's a thrilling. <laughs> but, we, but we're not because of what I I just think that the thing that saved modern football is Leicester City, and mm. you know them winning the league saved everyone's dreams. You know it meant that you it's a, it's okay to dream. It's possible if you just win every week, you're going to win the league, no matter how much money or sense you have. And I think them getting to the Champions League it shakes up the the big four, the big six in England. Mm. You know, so I think I think that. That can happen, and I, I, my like, coronavirus is happening. I mean, that's crap. We all know about it. One positive for me that may come out of it, and we're seeing it at the start of the European seasons at the moment. That kind of odd teams are top of the league. Um, AC Milan are top in Italy, which isn't that odd. But Juve are tenth, and Sassuolo are second, and you're like, and Real Madrid and. Barcelona, Barcelona of 12th, I think, in the league in Spain and stuff. And you go, well, maybe the coronavirus... Bilbao were top in, in Spain? Yeah, I'm not sure, yeah. yeah. But maybe coronavirus will even it out a little bit because it will rip the money out of the big clubs. And it will be... An, because it's a strange season, it might give an opportunity to these smaller clubs to kind of build something. And then at the end of it, go, well, actually, we don't need to sell players to you because... You've got no money, so you can't afford them. Yeah. So we can keep them for a bit, and then we can become a bigger club. Yeah, I think I think you're exactly right, John. And I think that those who were big, big, I hate, I hate what we're doing here for those who qualify for European <laughs> competition last year, uh, running a condensed season where they play European football every single week, and so like European football or a cup competition, which means that actually those. 
those larger clubs or clubs that are more used to experiencing success are getting really stretched with no preseason. So not only are they hemorrhaging money, but their squad is being put under a lot of pressure. And, and those clubs who were knocking on the door, who didn't qualify for Europe last year, have got a bit of freedom, got a bit of space, not got the the financial mm-hmm. burden of overspending before you've made your money to such a degree. Actually, you're right. It could be seen as the great equaliser. Or it could not be. And it could be those who make the most money out of the world crashing, spend the most money, and um, and there you go. Yeah, I um, One other bit I wanted to mention was South American teams because we always talk, like, obviously, European Super League and European leagues are the best. But a long time ago, well, not that long ago, but you had, like, your Boca Juniors and Santos in Brazil, which is where Pele played his whole career, they were the best teams in the world because they had the best players from Brazil and Argentina and maybe a few from Uruguay or Colombia. Um, and then you always had the um, World Club Championship or whatever. And that used to be a big game. So Real Madrid win the U- European Cup and they win the Copa de Law. I can't say it. The South American version of the Champions yeah. League. <laughs> and and uh, then they play each other. And it, nowadays, it's not a 50-50. It's just like, well, the European team wins and they send out a second string because... Full of, full of South American players. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Full of Brazilians and <laughs> Colombians. Um, and then they win it. But 30, 40 years ago, they were the best teams around playing a different style of football to Europe that wasn't been Europeanized or watered down. And they were doing their own thing and they were the best teams in the world and getting 150,000 a week come and watch them play and had the huge fan bases and maybe they were the biggest clubs in the world yeah and maybe they maybe they still are we just don't we just ignore them well Bo- i mean Boca still get sell- the sell out every week and it's like 120,000 or whatever but the football's crap so yeah. it's like tevez was playing at 38 years old and was the best player by a mile and you go it's it's a shame, but that's what's happened to the Argentinian league right now. So it's, yeah, uh, and you, you'd argue we would be including Scottish clubs in this if we if we really go back through mm. history and heritage and and you know back in the early you know nineteen geez nineteen twenties to nineteen fifties Scotland had one of the most phenomenal football leagues with, with incredibly yeah. talented players, great sides. Well, Celtic were the first British club to win a Champions League, or European Cup, as it used to be called. Like they were the first ever in '61 or '62. Um, the yeah. Lions of well, Bill Bow, I can't remember what the team team is. Celtic so, fans will hate me. So, if we're going to talk about um, you know Ajax doing it, I think Celtic should be spoken of in the same breath. Yeah, and they have the fan base, and they have the history, they have the football culture. They have the stadium. They have everything in place, but now they play in a crappy league. And is that their fault, or is that the fault of us leaning towards a European Super League already and the Premier League being too big, the Spanish League being too big, and just stealing the best players? Well, may, or maybe it's also the Bayernism, if, if I'm going to coin a phrase. You know, it's it's hoovering up the best players in your league because if if you're Scottish and you're good, Celtic pick you up. Like if you if you. Yeah. If you Dutch and you're good. You're probably going to be playing for Ajax, and it's what yeah. Bayern do. You know, they they find the best Germans in the Bundesliga and they, and they absorb them every single year. So that that takes away the competitive edge of the league, which means that when you when you compete internationally, it's not as competitive, is it? Apart from obviously Bayern, who were phenomenal. Yes, but yeah, they're ridiculous. But that's because they've stolen all the best players. Well, what was your last <laughs> point? My beer's nearly done. 
Uh, no, my last point was nothing to do with this at all. Um, but do you know anything about the Argentinian league? Yeah, it's like it happens three times a year. Is that? Is that? Yeah. Yes. So you, you, yes. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get all these facts wrong. I think it's a good way to end. But um, they, they they play. You play, mm. and you have a season. But you have three seasons, and then the tr- champion is aggregated over those three seasons. And so if you come first in season one and season two, but then get relegated in season three, you can still win the championship whilst getting relegated. Because after three seasons, your aggregate points might be more than everyone else. Yeah. So you're the champions, but you've got relegated.